Hello everybody, I'm Matt Mikuchi and you are listening to the Jazz Ace Podcast. To have you by my side Soon we'll be reaching London Town Piccadilly or Camden Town Hello everybody, Jazz is online editor Matt Mikuchi here, welcoming you to a new episode of our podcast series of conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today. A series that we simply like to call the Jazz is Podcast. And it's brought to you in conjunction with Jazz is Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz is editors. And that is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. Today we're speaking with none other than Ryan DeHughes, the acclaimed crooner who's here to talk about his latest album, Private Parlor, which has been playing on the radio waves around the world and captivating listeners with its lush, enchanting blend of bossa nova, jazz, pop, electro, lounge and the French chanson tradition. There's so much to talk about when it comes to this project, including its collaboration with French duo Double Francoise and the seven original compositions bearing his own lyrics. But we also take the time to find out more about the Hughes and his journey, as he talks about some of his greatest influences, among whom is the legendary Pat Boone and shares with us his love of music. Lots to talk about, so let's get to it. Fire up an audio teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. This is the Jazz Ace Podcast. A little bit of laziness, a little bit of Englishness. Hello Ryan, welcome to the Jazz Ace Podcast. Hi Matt, pleasure to meet you today. The way that we like to start these podcasts is kind of to break the proverbial ice. I like to ask the artists I speak with to share a memory with me from early life or childhood of a moment that when they think back to it, they realize maybe that's when I awaken to the beauty and power of music. And also, maybe it's one of those moments when you think back to it, you're like, maybe that's when I started thinking I would love to pursue a career in music eventually. So is there one such memory for you that stands out? Oh, oh, sure. There's got to be two or three that kind of come together and form everything that, that you're talking about. Uh, you know, at Christmas time, as a little boy in single digits, here in the States, it's a very nostalgic time. All of the great legendary crooners and, and ladies of songs from, from Ella Fitzgerald and Lena Horne to Jack Jones and Mel Torme, Frank Sinatra, Andy Williams, all these great singers that are just such traditional pop legends. But jazz is a very very big word, even though it's only four letters. <laughs> and jazz does encompass that entire umbrella of entertainment and, and music and creativity. Uh, yeah, for example, my, my latest album, Bossa Nova, even falls under this, this giant umbrella. But besides hearing that music around the holidays, uh, I would have to say that it also stemmed from my parents who in the 70s, they toured the the nation with a very famous pop choral choir named Fred Waring and his Pennsylvanians. And Fred Waring was huge, uh, national television. I, he had top billing with Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby on records for Capitol. So I, I was definitely introduced to what we might call a little more sophisticated, uh, beautiful music. <laughs> so you came from a musical family, basically. 
Quite so, yes. And then at age 12 uh, or even earlier, uh, fooling around with my dad's uh, LP and record collection, which I shouldn't have been. I, I had no idea how to drop a, a needle, but I was doing it. <laughs> and there I discovered, oh, things like Brazil 65. Uh, he even had some of those earlier recordings. Oh, the, the Capitol Records uh, Easy Jazz Listening Series with people like Cannonball and Matt Adderley. And, and early on, I, I loved hearing musicians interpret lyrics on their instrumentation. And I was able to take some of what they were doing instrumentally and lift it and incorporate it into my vocals to, to be a little different. Like, like people like Frank always said, Sinatra, you don't want to completely carry the other man's bags. You, you want to pay respect, but, but you want to be yourself. So I've always, I've always tried to be that in everything that I do as well. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. It's hard, but I, I try to be myself. <laughs> Wonderful. So, you know, when you think back to those formative years, was there a moment when you really felt like your career had started, when you'd become a vocalist? Yes, that milestone moment would have to have been, I'm a millennial crooner, <laughs> it would have had to have been in the early 2000s when I was still in my my teens, and I was discovered by a, a good friend and legendary uh, actor and entertainer, uh, singer, uh, Pat Boone. Uh, he discovered me along with Merv Griffin. They were doing this national competition called Search for America's Next Great Crooner that I heard about on uh, WJR Radio in Detroit. And I sent in an audition tape, and they canceled all the next rounds that were supposed to happen because uh, they really liked what I was doing. And before you knew it, I was in Earthwind and Fires Recording Studios in, oh, I, I think Burbank area, uh, recording with a entire 17-piece big band, uh, many musicians that had even worked with Sinatra on recordings in the, in the 80s and 90s, but uh, got to do uh, just great original arrangements uh, with Pat Boone's Gold Label. On, on more than one album, but but that really had to be the the start of national recognition and cutting my teeth. Yeah, I just out of curiosity because you know I love Pat Boone. Who doesn't? Particularly, you know, there's one song I I still remember uh, becoming aware of Pat Boone when I was a kid watching Journey to the Center of the Earth. <laughs> then listening to his music yes. and then listening to his music like you know one one song that i always loved of his is uh uh love letters in the sand his interpretation of that i, I just love it but um and well, so many others i can't believe a jazz head i can't believe a jazz head like you is talking about uh early 60s pop culture i actually sang love letters in the sand with pat the first time i went to beverly hills <laughs> at at uh the beverly hilton at merv's place when he was still there running it. What was he like? I mean, it sounds like he had a profound impact, especially when you were younger uh, and really helped you, gave you that encouragement to carry oh, on. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Boone opened up a lot of doors for me and, and we still, we're still in touch. We, we were just uh, in, uh, speaking a couple weeks ago to each other and he's really excited about my new album. And this is actually my first recording that I, co-produced on on my own pretty pretty much and and for him to have heard this new album of mine private parlor and uh to to love it so much he's really excited about it and i i really 
really appreciate his continued friendship and support. And my goodness, we all hope to be like this gentleman. Uh, he, I don't want, I don't want to uh, put a, a, a year on him, but he was born in 1934, and he's still cutting records, <laughs> just yeah. like Herb Alpert. I think Herb Alpert is the same. Uh, age as Mr. Boone, but but man, age is just a number, and they're walking proof of that. <laughs> All those guys, absolutely legendary. Uh, well, so he's uh, he's uh, listened to Private Parlor. Uh, this is your latest album we're talking about, and since you mentioned it, uh, I would love to know uh, again. Thinking about your artistic evolution, did you have any ideas to pursue and experiment with? Uh, when it came to styles for this project, uh, for example, I, I listening to this record, I appreciated the rich sound of the album. You talked about the bossa nova element, but I also appreciated the electronic textures and the arrangements a little bit. So yeah, just uh, what can you introduce it uh, to us and, sure, and let sure. us know what you know, your vision for this album was? Boy, it is hard to pigeonhole this music like you just described. And I usually find myself giving some long explanation of it's a very jet set 60s inspired modern lounge album that tastefully laces electronica lightly and even some soft club rhythm and groove laced tastefully with jazz and traditional pop. So it's really a, a great melting pot of all of that. And I would have to say uh, another big moment in, in discovering music out there in the world would have been in the mid-2000s for me after I'd been recording these contemporary big band albums. I walked into a pottery barn in Lansing, Michigan, the state capital, <laughs> and I heard over the speakers for the first time jazz being cut up by DJs, uh, jazz being laced tastefully with electronica, artists like Nicola Conte, Smoke City from the UK, right across the water from you, Nina Miranda, Chris Frank. Uh, I, I even did one of their uh, songs on, on an album. Uh, but the music of new jazz, electronica, modal jazz, the things that are going on in Europe ever since the 2000s with, with co-op, uh, I love uh, performing their music with live acoustic jazz combos. I, I, I love stepping into the studio and trying to treat the standards uh, the way they the way they do. These artists, I try to give a little bit of uh, meat, <laughs> if you want to call it, back to the vocal, a, a, a little more substance. But but basically, this album that I just did, it really sounds like Sinatra stepping into the studio with Joe Beam and French chanson singers <laughs> and and occasionally there's a dj spinning something or cutting something up and i'm really proud of that fact but i have to thank all of those artists that i just mentioned for being such an influence on me and i i i hope that i have have a little seat at the table and do them justice because i, I respect what they've done so much in in europe uh and, and it was so much fun getting to step as a vocalist i love stepping back a little bit and making room for these great musicians uh for this production for remixing reworking i i really like that process of collaborating you know the fact that 
I was able to work with such talented people. For example, we have Sergio Mendez's bass player on several cuts, Hussein Jeffrey. We we have Kevin Winard on percussion, who also works with Herb Alpert and and Sergio Mendez out in L.A. in in recent years, winning winning Grammy awards with them. And then oh, we had oh my. Maxence Jutel and Elizabeth Jutel, my collaborators of Double Francoise uh, with Freaksville Records in Belgium and France that put this album out. Hope everybody's keeping up with me. That was a lot. <laughs> Everyone should be happy. I agree. And laugh and sing every night. Like you and me. Yet pain and sorrows appear out of the blue. There must be in the samba lonely sighs So she remains like a dawn that will not rise Like champagne with no bubbles from your nose That's not the kind of samba that, that I know The track you are hearing is from Private Parlor, the latest album by Ryan DeHughes, and we will be resuming our conversation with the artist in a moment. But first, I wanted to remind you that if you love jazz and vinyl, you should check out Jazz Is Vinyl Club, a new series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz Is editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we cover in the print version of Jazz Is, jazzis.com, and these Jazz Is podcasts. Go to Jazz is.com and click on join vinyl club but now back to our conversation with ryan de hughes there is no sound quite as marvelous to know there is no sound quite as subtle quite as strong sound of summer and winter spring and fall my heart loves the samba best of all you brought up double francoise and i would love to know about uh, them and how that collaboration with them started and how it ultimately kind of helped shape the direction of the music on this record. Yes, when I first met Double Francoise, Maxence and Elizabeth Jutel, I had just finished my second album with Pat Boone and I did this jazzy jazz waltz uh, recording of The Face I Love by Marcos Valle, heavily influenced by a Jack Jones record that I, that I had heard. And I was looking online on YouTube for any other artists who happened to record The Face I Love, and I stumbled upon this charming French duo. At the time, they named themselves Tom's Club after Tom Jobim. Well, we got together. We uh, Two or three transatlantic flights. Uh, We just became the greatest of pen pals first. But then I said, you know, Maxence, I'm I'm friends with, with a label out in L.A., and maybe we should... Uh, record an album together. And it started with the thought of doing something through Mr. Boone's organization. But as we became more and more contemporary with our thinking, uh, not just doing a straight ahead bossa nova standard album, but doing six, seven original tunes and, and giving almost club-like modern arrangements to Jobim and Jao Donado and uh, uh, Pierre Barreau, we thought, Maybe we could go with more of an art house label. And uh, before my work with Double Francoise came out, they had released a spectacular album. Uh, w, double, double, excuse me, Double Francoise's first album was on Freaksville. And we presented our work to Freaksville Records, Benjamin Shoes, who runs that awesome label. And he 
he really appreciated the music, what we were doing, and he allowed us to be released through his his company. Yeah, so you talked about uh, the influence of European music, some great European artists, along with the bossa nova ones you, you also talked about. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of this album was recorded in France. So that must have been uh, helpful to achieving that that vision, that that melting pot of influences that you talked about, because, you know, everybody loves France and so much great music has come out of it, but also just the aura of the place. <laughs> I, I would say it was 60-40. I think 60% of everything was captured in France. While we decided at one point, because of my my vocal stylings, we thought maybe it could use a, a, a little bit uh, more of a, of a jazz approach to some of the, of the groove and the Brazilian uh, groove that we were going for. So that's when I ended up in Burbank and Reseda with a great co-producer in the studio named Dave Siebels, who is at Kappa Studios right on Burbank. And I met him through Mr. Boone and I've recorded albums with him in the past. And he works, he's a great jazz organist and piano player that is featured heavily with the Gordon Goodwin Big, I hope I'm saying this right. I, I think it's the, the PHAT Fat Band. Yes. Uh, Big fat band, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I always get, I forget you. myself. Yeah. Yeah. He has a whole album with them. And that's why you have a lot of organ and roads on this album, my album, Private Parlor, because that's what Dave is so good at. And it's so 60s, 70s. Uh, so I wanted that. And then we ended up at Hussein Jeffries Home Studios, uh, who is a, a, a Grammy award winning musician for his work with Sergio Mendez and, and, and Herb Alpert, I believe. Yeah, we ended up at his studio uh, getting to do some some bass work with him and, and Kevin Winard doing some percussion. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that was about about the the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was really it was really exciting to have Hollywood and France talking to each other. And I noticed that when you're in in uh, southern L.A., when when you're at the farmers market uh, in in the L.A. area. There is quite a French presence there, so there was this great synergy. So I mean, these are these are places that kind of you know, I guess instinctively you would go back to those times that you talked about the sixties, seventies, and they do yeah. evoke that sense of that jet setting kind of glamour that you talked cool. about. Timeless cool. Timeless yeah. cool. Yes, and in fact, seven of these tracks I believe are originals. So, I mean, was that, uh, did that influence a compositional process or just in general, what is that process, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, the compositions on Private Parlor? I, I cannot give enough credit to Max Sense and Elizabeth Schutel, who had all, all these beautiful melodies and they even had uh, French lyrics. Uh, but we wanted to give them some some English, so that's where I came in. I had never done any lyricist work, and I said, I, I don't think I can do this, guys. And then 15 minutes later, I was knocking out <laughs> entire verses for for the song with Elizabeth. So that was exciting. Uh, and my my process was, I wanted to know what the I, I first had to hear what are the French lyrics talking about? What is their direct translation? And then I even tried to take some of that direct translation, but give it a rhyme scheme. And it just worked out very well 
on six or seven tunes. It, it, it really came together well. There was a beautiful ballad called All These Things. I remember we, we were all uh, just lounging together on, on a sofa downstairs look, on the lower level looking out at their garden in Moulin, France. And we just started penning words and, and, and forming the, the, the melody. It, it was, you know, Matt, it, it was basically a process of three or four weeks at a time getting together in person. And it just, it just happened. Uh, you can try to make great collaborations and, and, and songs come together forcefully and, and you get nowhere fast. It just it was just blessed to, uh, have, have such great collaborators that were on the same medium with me and wavelength and, it's just some magic. You know, you, you got to have luck. Anybody who says it's just talent, they're crazy. Like Jackie Gleason, the great one, always used to say, it's never just your talent. It's a lot of luck. It's a lot of people coming together. So talking about, you know, this new project also being your 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 first experiences as a lyricist, on record anyways, um, do you feel like, also when we consider the sound of the album at large, that this particular project you know, marks a significant evolution for you, one that you see yourself pursuing further with future projects. I would love within a year to have a follow-up to this record uh, because it's been, it's been so well received by so many uh, walks of life. We have, uh, uh, oh, I hope I'm saying his name right, uh, Toru Hashimoto, a great tastemaker and DJ in uh, Tokyo. Uh, he's, he's known for the, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the, the German, uh, new jazz electronica label that has Jazzanova on it. He's worked a lot with that, that label. It's slipping me at the moment. Forgive me, everyone. Uh, uh compost records. He's done so many uh, compilations for the, the compost label, uh, over there in Germany. And he has, uh, a regular show for decades now in Tokyo. Uh, anyway, the series has a, has a French name, his series of program that he does in Tokyo. But it was amazing to hear Samba Serava, and he had a record label of some kind named Serava. But there he is playing my record of Samba Serava in Tokyo. And then you, you have Spain DJs spinning this album, uh, a French FM radio like uh, 91.3 FM in, in Paris saying that it is a nugget of an album, a, a, a work of excellence. Uh, it's really been amazing. And then, and then Connect Brazil out of Chicago, our friend there, Scott Adams, that you may have heard of. Uh, he's been playing the album regularly and it's getting thousands and thousands of streams. Their, their listeners are accepting, uh, an American and, and, and French, uh, people getting together and doing a contemporary Bassa album. So I'm very grateful and, and proud of, of the response that, that we've received. Well, wonderful. Well, as we conclude our conversation, I would love to ask, also ask you, uh, also because, you know, we're recording this interview relatively close, you know, to the beginning of the new year. Uh, uh, what are your future plans as far as uh, concerts are concerned? Any live dates we could talk about? And also just generally for anyone listening to this podcast, what's the best way for people to keep up with the news. Yes. Well, you can go ahead and shoot me a friend request on Facebook. I'm always active there. Uh, I, I've got Instagram. I've, I've got everything everyone's sick of hearing about. 
<laughs> on social media. But uh, yeah, yeah, look me up on on the on the regular socials. And, but I am looking uh, to going to uh, possibly Palm Beach, uh, Miami area, looking to do a, a gig there. And also, I, I'm wanting to go back to LA. It's it's been since. Uh, 2020 for me and it's it's time I go back there. I've loved my time out there performing at Herb Alpert's club Vibrato uh in in Bel Air. So yeah, looking forward to getting back back out there. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Well, Ryan, thank you very much for joining us. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks a lot. Oh, it's it's been great talking with with you, Matt, and I, and I hope we can stay friends and, and keep in touch online. I can send some things along as they come. The silver screen will never find another femme so cool, refined, leading ladies. They can't bring to mind The curve of her smile The stars in her eyes I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brian DeHughes and I remind you that his new album Private Parlor is available now. And if you love jazz and vinyl, be sure to check out our Jazz Ace Vinyl Club. Join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition color vinyl albums mailed directly to you. Just go to jazzace.com and click on Join Vinyl Club for more. Anna's music from Private Parlor by Ryan DeHughes plays us out. I encourage you to keep an eye out for more Jazzy's podcasts, our print magazine, and other great content available to you on our regularly updated website, jazzies.com. And if you like what you see, you can always subscribe for more. Till the next time, this is Matt McCucci signing off. See you soon. She has a voice you can't mistake. When she sings, your heart will ache.